0: Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Morning, church family. How are you guys doing? Thank you, worship team. Beautiful job. I want to just reiterate, come hang out with us at the church picnic. Even if you didn't plan uh, a side or a dessert to bring, we're going to have plenty Um, And you can also come if you just wanna hang out for five or 10 minutes, grab a hot dog, uh, throw the football a little bit, meet some people, and then head out. Uh, Things like this are gonna be more and more important for us with the two services, so that people can meet each other, uh, because we're one church family. So come hang out with us, it's gonna be uh, a lot of fun. I also wanna let you know that uh, next Sunday, the next two Sundays, we have special guests with us, uh, because my wife and I are driving to Pennsylvania with our family tomorrow to just be with family, Um, We always say it's not a vacation, it's a family visit. We're gonna hang with uh, grandparents on both sides of our family, the east and the west side of Pennsylvania, and they'll get some time with cousins and uh, aunts and uncles and all that. Um, And next Sunday, show up, be ready to worship. Uh, We have our good friend Curtis Parks leading worship, and then uh, Curtis Zachary, CZ bringing the word, who's been here uh, about once a year. If you don't know him, that's fine, but Stephen Houle loves him. He's an amazing uh, man of God. He's a former hip hop artist, turned pastor. He's a teaching pastor at another local church in the area and he's a good friend. Uh, Come and hear God's word. Then the week after that, we have uh, our youth pastor and our Espanol pastor, Oscar Barajas, preaching and he does a phenomenal job. He's he's not in the room right now. You might not recognize him because he shaved his beard last night. Did anybody see Oscar yet? Andy looked at him and said, there's a new man in the house. I don't know who I'm. God is moving because someone has become a new man. I've had this prayer in my heart recently that's gonna help set up the message for today. It's a prayer for myself, uh, but it's a prayer that I would encourage you to pray to. God, I want you and all that you have for me. And it's saying, God, I wanna know you. I just want you, and then I also want everything that is in your heart for me, everything that is in your word for me, everything that you have prescribed to me, I want that. And I'm praying that you would pursue God and all that God has for you in your life I don't know about you, but when you do that and lean into that prayer, you are reminded again that there is an all-out assault trying to keep you from God and keep you from all that God has for you. The theological word for that is spiritual warfare. You guys know what I'm talking about? How many would attest that even just this week or today, you can point to things in your life that are for sure trying to pull you away from God and all that God has for you? Who's with me? I mean, probably everyone, and uh, if you're not realizing it, if the more you lean into, into that prayer, you will experience those kinds of things, and we're in this story in John chapter 9 that we've been studying through slowly. We're reading the whole book of the Gospel of John and teaching through it, but we've been in this particular chapter for a few weeks, and today we're going to finish the chapter. Let me just set up the context. It's a guy who was born blind, and he became a beggar because of his blindness, so he would just have to ask people for food and money, and he had a tough... Life and he suffered a lot, and then he encountered Jesus. Didn't even know who Jesus was, and Jesus did one of the strangest miracles he ever did, which he he spit on the ground, he made mud, and he put it on this dude's eyes. It's crazy. I talked about that a few weeks ago. If you want to take a listen uh, to some of the um, background there and and what we believe that means, and then he told the guy to go wash his eyes off in a nearby pool, and he would be healed. The guy did it. He was healed. He could all of a sudden see. Then. The religious leaders of the day who should have been celebrating with him, they should have been his new support system, they ended up accusing him and using him because they were against Jesus. They felt threatened by Jesus. There was all this debate about who Jesus was, and all of a sudden, this guy who got healed found himself right in the middle of this giant cultural debate, and they used him and shamed him publicly. Such a hard thing to go through to the point that he got publicly kicked out of the temple. And we don't think about this a lot when we read stories like this, but this guy has now gone through a lot in his life. He's had four decades of blindness and begging. That's a lot of suffering. He had a really crazy miracle with Jesus. That's incredible. But then he immediately went into rejection from the church, if you will, of his day. Rejection from those who were supposed to love him. Those are a lot of things throughout his 40-something years of life, trying to pull him away from God and pull him away from all that God has for us. And we see something incredible as we finish this story that will help us in our pursuit of God and all he has for us, specifically as things try to pull us away from that. It's gonna be verses 35 to 41. It'll be on screen. You can turn there in your Bible or on your phone. Let's pick up in verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what are we blind to? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Those are some challenging and potentially confusing things that Jesus is saying right there. He's talking at the beginning to the man who was healed, but then he starts talking to the Pharisees who were the teachers of the law. They were the religious and political leaders of that time. And I love how this starts in verse 35. Just the first two words of this verse are so powerful. Jesus heard. Now remember, Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the manifestation of the fullness of God so that we can see him. And it said that he heard, what did he hear about? That this man had been thrown out. He heard about the castaway. He heard about the one who was abused. He heard about the one who was booted out. And then look what it says, when he found him. So I just love that this implies very directly that we have a God whose heart is very aware of our pain and who is pursuing us in the middle of it put yourself in the mindset and the emotional state of this dude who was healed he has suffered he's healed and that's amazing but then he's cast out he could be angry he could be feeling despair i'm sure he was feeling confusion i remember probably about maybe 14 years ago now something like that when my wife and i were first planting uh, the first church we felt god called us to plant over in los angeles we had a five-month-old daughter, we had left all of our family in Pennsylvania, and we had brought a team with us of young adults, and I was just struggling internally is an understatement, and trying to hold it together. And eventually, uh, by God's grace, we found this Christian counselor, and we started going to see this counselor. And that counselor was especially for me, uh, less for my wife. Um, like, no, I'm not joking, like on our second session, he was like, Jessica, um, you can probably stay home the next time. I'd like to continue seeing Nathan. And I was like, all right, you're right. And, and so I, I, I had a prolonged season of counseling uh, with this amazing counselor. And one of the things he helped me see for the first time in my life, and now it's become a tool for me, is that the anger I was feeling, because I, I was just getting angry about uh, pressure, about stress, about things not going as quickly as I would like them to go, about unmet expectations, you name it. And he helped me see that anger is an expression of pain. So usually the deeper thing is that you're feeling pain of some sort. You don't know how to express that. You don't know what to do with it, and you become angry. Now, I don't know what that is for you, but things like insecurity, which we all face, anxiety, fear, and even growing cynicism as we get older can be expressions of pain. Every study out right now said that we are in a loneliness pandemic. People just feel incredibly lonely. Lonely, and loneliness is painful. Unmet expectations are painful. Lots of people have lost loved ones. That's painful. Rejection. This guy is in the middle of being rejected, cast out of the temple. Painful. Being let down by friends and family is painful. And and to say it succinctly, a lot of people are in a lot of pain. And I would say it this way too. All people are in some pain. And this man was feeling this kind of pain. And the principle is this, Jesus knows your pain and will find you there. We don't often feel like that when we're in the middle of it. When you're feeling rejected or insecure or anxious, you're not necessarily always thinking, God knows exactly what I'm feeling right now. If you're anything like me, a lot of times you think, God couldn't know this, he's God. How could he possibly know what I'm feeling right now? The deceptive part of pain and challenges like this is it tries to convince you that you're the only one. It tries to make you think you have this fatal internal flaw, no one else gets it, no no one else is quite as flawed as you and you might as well just become hopeless. I have been in that spot mentally and at an emotional level. But the book of Hebrews talks about how Jesus is our great high priest and can empathize with everything that we face. It makes the claim And i understand that it's it can be one of these claims to grapple with but it makes the claim that any emotion you feel any pain you feel any problem at all in your life god can relate to not just relate to but he can feel it with you that's the nature of the incarnation jesus doesn't just remain this distant god he comes in and becomes one of us lives with us in our pain takes it all upon himself on the cross That's literally what he's doing. He's taking all the brokenness, shame, pain of the world on himself, overcoming sin and death and rising victorious, and then invites us into new life. But he doesn't just erase the pain. We still find ourselves in these kinds of situations. Psalms says that he is close to the brokenhearted. And this has application for us as a church family too, because when we think about being the hands and feet of Jesus, in in the city and in the towns and the neighborhoods, schools, places of employment that we find ourselves. We are not just existing for like the happy people that love going to church and love serving on teams and drop their money in the basket or give online and worship passionately and we're like, yep, we're not just for them, we are for them, but we're for the people who feel absolutely rejected. We're for the people that feel like there is no seat for them in a place like this, there's no role in the family we're for the people that are at the very end of their rope today some might be here most of them aren't here so that's why we have to live on mission with the heart of god in mind that's why it's important to know your neighbor it's important to connect with people at your work because people are suffering have you noticed that people are suffering your average person oftentimes is trying to just get through a day and has a whole lot going on inside of them. And if we take time to listen to their story and be the hands and feet of Jesus, we will be like Jesus, and we will learn about them as we pursue them and are with them. And it's good news for you because God pursues you. How crazy is that? I believe that in your worst moment, this includes self-inflicted pain, by the way. In your worst moment, this living God pursues you I love how Jesus, the the words right there in the text, it says, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and he went to find him. Reading on, when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him when we're struggling we feel like god is so distant and in our wrestling internally we oftentimes don't realize that god is right there in front of us talking to us like he is with you he's not far he's near even just this morning i was kind of thinking through something that i was wrestling with this weekend i was driving here to the land of grace thinking about my message a little bit and just just honestly wrestling with god a little bit about something internally and all of a sudden as i'm driving I just realized again, and I feel like it was just God's grace, I realized, oh my goodness, God, you're speaking to me right in the middle of this. Uh, you're, you're actually with me here already in this thing where I'm not feeling you. It's something kind of thing I'm let, rushing to the altar and being like, "Yes, Lord, it's something that's a challenge. You're with me, you're speaking to me about it. And I just started thinking about what He was saying to me in the middle of the wrestling, and I realized once again how near He is. And so any kind of sense of this distant God that you feel right now, I just want to encourage you to let that be shattered. And whatever kind of whisper of hope or voice of healing or potential of faith you're feeling deep in those dark places, I just want you to be like, wow, God is saying to me, I am the one here speaking to you. Like he's with you, closer than you realize. I love the encounter that's depicted here, because the dude who got healed, with Jesus in front of him again, still doesn't recognize him, and Jesus challenges him to believe. The guy says, I believe. I believe you're the Messiah. I believe what you say is true. And once he makes that declaration of belief, he has the only response that all of us find ourselves in when we encounter God like this. He worshiped him. Have you ever noticed that? Even in those moments of pain, We have a choice to make. Do we declare our faith in God or do we not? And when we declare our faith in God, we find ourselves once again worshiping. So the principle is this, even in the midst of pain, believe in Jesus and let your heart rise in worship. Take your hand for a second and hold it up, doesn't matter which hand. Let's think metaphorically that your hand in this illustration represents your pain, or your challenge, it might not be pain for you. It might be something like anxiety. It might be a situation. It might be a relationship. It might just be a need. Uh, but think about it for a second. Let it come to the top of your mind. Um, what are you wrestling with? Uh, what might potentially keep you up at night? And, and then with me, take your hand, and no one's gonna like hit you or anything, but cover your eyes. This is how we feel. Try, try to open your eyes and look around while your pain is this close. It, all you see is your hand. And this is how life feels. We, we get tunnel vision with problems, with circumstances, with things that seem impossible. And we think this is the whole world. This is what hopelessness is. This is why we can end up in places like despair because it's all we can see. And when we have the problem like glued to our eyes like this, it's when we think things like, how are all these other people living? I can barely get out of bed i i i I can't make a decision but but when we encounter jesus here even though we feel like we're alone we're rejected jesus finds us here stands in front of us we still can't see him because our eyes are covered but he says hey do you believe that i am god do you believe that i am for you do you believe that my promises are free and when, when we say yes and we begin to believe and when we begin to worship, it's like we just take, we begin to move our hand out just a little bit. Do it with me. And if you move your hand out just a few inches, already you can see, oh, there's some other people here. Oh, there's, there's some lights, there's some things happening, there's stuff going on, and eventually, think about the symbolism of raising your hand fully up. Go ahead and raise it up with me. This is one of the acts of worship that we see in scripture, the raising of our hands. It's saying, praise the Lord. It's also like saying, I surrender. And, and think of the beauty of letting the pain get moved that far away. It's still here, but now I'm worshiping. And guess what else? I can see the whole world. I have a sense of understanding. The pain's still here, but I've, I'm, I'm trying to release it. I'm recognizing God is here with me in it. I will literally sometimes do this physically in the middle of a day. Like if I get to the point where I feel like, oh my goodness, I just, I don't know what to do, I'm done. You know that, you know that feeling? I'm done with this. I will sometimes just like do this. This is how I feel. This is where I need to get. This is how I feel. This is the reality that God has invited me to. This is how I feel. This is gonna be the posture of my heart by faith, right? I might not feel like it, but I'm gonna to move towards this, right? And even, even gosh, you might've been like this for weeks and weeks or years and years and years, almost to the point that you're hitting yourself in the face, right? But I'm gonna come back and you can do that today. That's the grace of God. That's the mercy of God. That's the invitation that never goes away. It's 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 that. It doesn't immediately solve everything, but God is with us in the midst of what we're going through. This guy wasn't just immediately then brought back into the temple courts and revered and accepted and they cheered for him. No, he was still cast out, but he was with Jesus, right? He was in this new walk with the Lord. Then Jesus says some things that are hard to understand, and we're going to talk through them before we close. Jesus said, now it's a teaching moment. For judgment I have come into this world. Already that's like, oh, I, I thought it was for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. This sounds a little different. For judgment I have come, Jesus says. So that the blind will see, and so those will see become blind? I added the inflection. <laughs> Because when I read that, I'm like, what? Why would you wanna make those that see become blind? Thank you, Jesus. Like, it's not really what I want in my God. Uh, But I think it's really important to note when you study this and when you interpret in the context of scripture, Jesus is no longer talking about actual physical sight or physical eyes. He's talking about spiritual sight and spiritual blindness. And if you read the teachings of Jesus, what he is saying is, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. He is preaching a new kingdom. And the kingdom is often referred to as the upside down kingdom because all the wrongs that we have in this world, the kingdom makes right. It says things like the first will become last. It talks about every tear will be wiped from our eyes. It is an upside down kingdom. It's countercultural, it's oftentimes counterintuitive. It says if you want to go up, you got to go down, right? It's this countercultural, upside down kingdom. And Jesus is basically saying, I believe based on the context, that he will be the judge of what is true. And it will be so revealing that those who were blind will see and those who think they see will realize they are blind. And the Pharisees, then, if you read on in verse 40, we get more understanding here. The Pharisees, who he's directly talking to, said, what, are we blind? Because these are like, these are the leaders. These are the people who are killing it. These are the ones that everyone aspired to be like. They're saying, are you, you, you young outcast, They were basically at this point calling him a blasphemer. Are you saying we are blind? And then he says, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. He's talking about something here that he talks about all throughout the Gospels, which is humility versus self-righteousness. You see, many of the Pharisees had a deep sense of self-righteousness, claiming they could see. And Jesus is saying, my friends, you're actually blind. On the other hand, there were many outcasts of the day, people that were outside of the lines that were, accept, that were accepted by the culture, by the church of the day. And these people desperately needed to see Jesus and knew it. They had a sense of brokenness and humility before God. And Jesus is saying, you will actually be able to see. Think about Jesus, the first thing he ever preached in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount is he goes into a society that is all about being holier than thou, essentially. It's a pious religion. It is, it is exalting yourself because of your righteousness. You're getting it all right, and these are the leaders. And Jesus goes in and says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. His very first message is a massive rebuke to the religious culture of the day. In James, it's further articulated. It says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. The principle is this, number three, lay down any sense of self-righteousness and humble yourself before the Lord. If you want God and all that God has for you, you have to stay in the posture of humility that says, I need you to be able to see anything. Not, I can now see. I've got it figured out. You see the difference? And there's an incredible case study here, just to further drive this point home, to show you how clearly this is articulated in scripture in Luke 18, verses nine through 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. (laughs) My gosh, what an indictment right there. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, so he was the man, and the other a tax collector. He was considered evil, selfish, and a traitor to his people. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. He points the guy out. I fast twice a week and give a 10th of all I get. He is presenting his resume to God and saying, God, thank you that you allowed me to be awesome and these people to be terrible. I am the man, thank you, God. went home not justified before God. That means not forgiven. That means not saved. That means having not received the good news. And that's what he's saying in the story we're studying right now in John 9. He said, if you did not see, if you you did not claim that you already see, your guilt would not remain. But since you claim you see in your self-righteousness, your guilt remains. The entire access point to the kingdom of God is humility. Period. It is willingness to say, I need you. I need you. I'm desperate for you, God. I cannot see on my own. The entire kingdom is like a U shape. Again, countercultural, counterintuitive. If you want to go up, if you want God and all he has for you, you've got to go down. You've got to bow your head low before the Lord, before God. And the good news is, you can. Jesus said that this tax collector, who all he did was stand at a distance, beat his chest and say, Lord have mercy, went home justified. What that actually means is there could be people all around the Nashville area this morning, there could be someone proudly kind of worshiping in a church, I'm not judging who this might be, no one at Graceland of course, but there could be someone proudly worshiping, thinking about their self-righteousness, thinking about all the good they do for the Lord, all the sacrifice they have made, everything they've put in, and they could have judgment in their heart to the outcasts around here, to the people who don't feel welcome, to the people who are outside of our bounds. And one of those people who is not in a church service right now, who is outside of those bounds, might be sitting in their room at the end of their rope, afraid to even come near the house of God, beating their chest, just saying, please have mercy, God. Guess who went away justified? Now, that's not for us to judge who it is, but it's, us, it's for us to bring ourselves before the Lord. Let's not fool ourselves what we're doing here. And it doesn't just start with humility. It ends with humility. Every person in here that's walked with God for decade after decade after decade and remained in him will tell you, you must grow in Humility. You don't don't gradually become more pharisaical and more self-righteous. You understand more and more your desperate need. It's like the closer you get to his holiness, the more you see the reality of what you are, and the more you're like, have mercy, God. Have mercy. So we're going to humble ourselves before the Lord this morning. As the worship team comes, let's bow our hearts. Let's close our eyes. And just pray with me, Lord, I humble myself before you. I lay down any sense of self-righteousness. Forgive me for sometimes leaning to the side of this, thinking I have somehow accomplished enough to be saved and showing you my, my resume. Forgive me for doing that sometimes. I, I find myself just like the tax collector today. I'm sinful. I'm broken. I'm in need. Every glimpse of you that I get, I realize more and more how much I need you. I see my brokenness. I see my sin. I see my wayward heart. And I just say, God, have mercy on me. And for those of you that are experiencing profound levels of pain, profound levels of things trying to pull you back from God and all he has for you, I pray that right now you will sense God right before you, just like this man, right in your face saying, Hey, I'm here. Do you believe in me? Hey, I'm here. Do you believe in the promise? Do you believe I am with you? Do you believe I will lead you to somewhere good? Can you hold my hand? Can you trust me? And if that's you today, I pray you'll be just like that man and say, yes, I believe in you and begin to worship. Just begin to worship. Just begin to say, God, I believe you. I love you. I will serve you. I give my whole life to you. Let me pray this benediction over you we will be dismissed. Feel free to stay through to the family picnic. It's going to be awesome and Uh, Lots of fun. Or if you need to go home and change and come back, whatever you got to do is fine. Um, Let me pray this. Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great afternoon.